We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The only thing I want you to worry about is this. The golden snitch. I like this ball. Uh, you like it now? Just wait. It's wicked fast and damn near impossible to see. What do I do with it? You catch it. Before the other team seeker. You catch this, the game is over. You catch this, Potter. And we win. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, where we're breaking down the on-field action of your favorite sports movies. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Pretty unique episode this week, because we're not covering a traditional sports movie, or even a real sport. That's right, fellow nerds, we're doing the Quidditch scenes of Harry Potter. I've been a Harry Potter diehard since I was like seven or eight, and I've always had a ton of problems with the sport of Quidditch, so this was really fun for me. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I got a great guest for it, because my guest also has a ton of problems with Quidditch. Mike Schubert hosts a very popular Potterless podcast, as well as the Horse Hoops podcast. He knows sports and was an awesome guest to break these movies down. And we also, you know, towards the end, riff on things they left out from the books, you know, what we'd like to see and what is eventually going to be a Netflix series. Uh, they're, they're not turning down that Harry Potter money for too long. Um, I'll link all of his information in the show notes. If you're a Harry Potter fan, definitely check out his podcast. As far as housekeeping, this week I've got something I'm really excited to announce. You might have noticed the new logo, but Big Screen Sports has officially joined the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire is a sports podcasting network with team and sports-specific podcasts. The network is full of exciting and talented creators with podcasts for every sports fan. It's something I'm just I'm really pumped to be involved with. If you've been a fan of this podcast for a while, know that this is a great move. It's only going to improve things here on the Big Screen Sports front. And uh, head over to bluewirepods.com, check out the full list of podcasts, see if anything piques your interest. Hopefully we'll have some guests from the network on here on Big Screen Sports pretty soon. If this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports and you enjoy what you hear, check out past episodes, try to keep them pretty evergreen, and see if we've covered any of your favorites and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. With that, let's get into Harry Potter with guest Mike Schubert. All right, joining me on today's episode, he's the host of the Potterless Podcast, Mike Schubert. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
Of course. So, um, you know, my experience with Harry Potter is pretty typical of a child who grew up in the 90s. I read each book, read them multiple times, saw the movies, had varying levels of disappointment about stuff that was left out of the movies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all in all, I've kind of lived my life as a Harry Potter diehard since third grade. Mike, that's not quite your experience. So before we get going, can you tell the listeners about what you do with uh, the Potterless podcast? Sure. So I never read the Harry Potter books as a kid. So Potterless is my journey of me reading them for the first time as an adult. So I started the podcast in 2016. Um, this past Monday, I released the final episode of the main books, and now moving on to doing things like the movies, the spinoff books, the Quidditch Throughout the Ages, little tiny book, the Quidditch World Cup, PlayStation 2 video game, like all the stuff. So yeah, I mean, on Potterless, uh, it's just a couple chapters at a time, and I have a rotating cast of guests always people who are either Harry Potter experts or Harry Potter fanatics or people who have Harry Potter-related jobs and then just go over the, uh, the, the chapters a little bit at a time. And I point out plot holes. I try to make fun of stuff. I try to guess what happens next, and I'm usually wrong. I was very convinced that Ludo Bagman was a bad guy in the fourth book. So, yeah, it's a good time. I just think it's a, uh, a unique approach to the Harry Potter series, and thankfully it's been received as such. And now it's my job, which is wild. We will actually mention Ludo Bag. At least I will will mention Ludo yes, Bagman later in this podcast. Um, you also you mentioned uh, you mentioned some Quidditch stuff, and mm-hmm. you mentioned the uh, the Quidditch World Cup video game, which is one of the great <laughs> disappointments of my life, uh, just just tragically. And you're pretty noted for being uh, talking about how shitty a sport Quidditch is, which is kind of what we're going to talk about with this podcast. Good, uh, yeah. Do you, I mean, we're, we're talking about Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets are really the only two movies, you know, with Quidditch action. And while I love a lot about the Harry Potter series, Quidditch is really flawed as a sport. Do you yes. want to, you know, my, my first question to you, is Quidditch a good sport? It's not a good sport. It's a good plot device in a book. It's not a good sport. The The main problem that I have with this, and I've said it on the pod and I've said it many times, is that I don't like that the sport places higher value towards one of the players versus the rest like inherently that just doesn't sit well with me that in there is a player on the team that is worth more I think one of the benefits of sports and something that's great about having kids play sports at a young age is that it teaches you about teamwork and working together and you know bringing out the best in your teammates and not necessarily relying on just one person look at LeBron James and the Cavaliers in that last season he was still the best player on earth but when your second best player is injured Kevin Love or J.R. Smith like that's not great so the fact that Quidditch has this the seeker who ends the game and has the most points by far it's it just sucks I get why they did it for plot purposes because you make all the important people seekers but as a sport I think it just like doesn't go to its core values of like teaching people about teamwork and stuff like that and then there's just like inconsistencies with the subs and whether or not games can get postponed and all that kind of shit and timeouts exist which are a problem so that's all like the nitty-gritty nitpicking stuff but as a whole I just don't like that it's not a true team sport well on this podcast we kind of break down the nitty-gritty you know nitpicking stuff cool, with, cool. with sports movies <laughs> yeah. so this is perfect I mean my biggest flaw with it is that unless the match goes you know inherently a long time I think in the books they reference like a two-month match mm-hmm. that nothing else matters except oh not stitch, at all not at which all. is like I mean again it, it it's a great plot device it leads to some of my favorite parts of the books 
um, and, and some cool cool parts of the movies, but it, the sport sucks. Um, and to improve the sport, I would go with like the snitch counts for 50 points. Right. I think that's a little more reasonable. That's what they do in Muggle Quidditch, like when mm. human beings play it. I think the snitch is only 50 points, and then the game is timed. And I think that fixes the sport. Honestly, like really, all you got to do, either the snitch, even if you keep the 150, the snitch should either only be worth points, and then the game is timed, or the snitch only ends the game, and it's not worth any points, which I think is way more interesting. Like, imagine if you were the seeker, and you had to strategically keep the other seeker at bay until your team took the lead. I think that would be very fun. Yeah, because the uh, I think the most compelling Quidditch centric plot of the books is the the final game, the final match of Prisoner of Azkaban, where they Harry has to I think he has to catch it when they're like up sixty, so they win the cup. Right, like that's the only time that you feel super invested in the strategy of catching the snitch, as opposed to yeah, you just got to catch it as fast as possible. Hundred percent, um, which is something the movies left out. The other thing that I think would improve the sport is some broom standards because it feels like Formula (laughs) One where just the most money has huge advantage. Which is weird when, like, at the World Cup stage, sure, but when it's a school sport and it's the students at the school playing against each other, you should have school-sanctioned brooms. That would be so strange. Like, it's very strange that the richer people are at an advantage when it is a school sport at a school that doesn't charge tuition. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, in, in, uh, it comes out the most, I think, in Chamber of Secrets when the Slytherins all get Nimbus 2001. Right, right. Uh, ha- handsome, handsome donor donation. Those are Nimbus 2001s. How did you get those? A gift from Draco's father. And Lucius Malfoy, <laughs> and it's just like it makes them unbeatable on the field, at least in terms of like the the non-snitch action. It just makes right. them unbeatable. Like, what what's the fun in that? It really is like Formula One. right. Um, so how do you feel about the, the two actual, the, again, there's really only two movies with Quidditch scenes, uh, Sorcerer's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, there's a brief one in Azkaban, but right. in that Brief um, one in Azkaban and then very brief World Cup action in the fourth. The briefest of World Cup action, which we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about. How do you feel about the, you know, the actual scenes, you know, what were your, your favorite part, your least favorite part about how they depicted it in the movies? Sure. So I watched these back yesterday in prep of this. And the first one, it was jarring how bad the CGI was. It was didn't it didn't age as well as I remember watching it. There were some weird things with like the real people and the green screen. Then there's a few times where characters are completely CGI and it just looks a little funky. Um, the first one I did not think was that great. It was strange in that you start off with Lee Jordan announcing everything and he's narrating the entire game. And then about halfway through, he just stops saying words, which just seems like a strange directorial decision to be like, yeah, this guy's going to be incredibly talkative in the beginning and then just say nothing. Um, the second one I think was a lot better though. The CGI looked better. The action was more fun. There was more creative ways in which the people were hitting the quaffle. You have people hitting it with their broom. You have people like punching the ball and other stuff like that. I also the very music much was a little more intense in that one. Yeah, I think, too. The music it, was, it was more intense. less like less like gimmicky and, and yeah. Stuff than the first it was one. definitely more hype. The music was more intense, and then the whoosh noises were more intense. Both of which there's a lot of whoosh noises as the players go past each other, but in the second they were like really loud. But I did very much appreciate that in the second movie's Quidditch scene, they, uh, they, the Slytherin team runs the flying V for Mighty Ducks, and that just made me really happy. It was a, good, it was a very nice touch. Uh, I liked the, how it kind of 
in, in both movies, it was kind of like the big soccer match atmosphere. I kind of yes. liked how they brought that aspect in. That was really cool. Like you could imagine if you know Hogwarts was a real thing, like it would be like that. How it, so it's got that European soccer match atmosphere that was really cool. The whole school's out there. It's loud. Um, I think my favorite scene is actually they're not even on brooms is when Gryffindor's first like walking out and Woods kind of telling Harry that he got knocked out in his first match and right. it shows the the big the stadium you know the pitch for the first time I like that I thought it was really cool I think it is great I like Oliver Wood a lot I think they do him very solid justice for his role in the films the only thing is they do him dirty by never showing him win the cup in Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, so sad. Just so, a tragedy. So, so sad. It truly is. But yeah, I think you d- you're right. They they catch the ambiance of it pretty well with all the crowd shots and all kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it is cool to see the broom action on film. Like that, yes. that's kind of tight. Oh, 100%. Getting into the Sorcerer's Stone, or I, I guess we can just kind of group them both. Uh, there, there's some stuff that applies to both, some stuff that's that's different. Lee Jordan for me was really disappointing because of how he is in the books. And it's, I know, you know, you can't always be like, oh, but the book was better. But Lee Jordan in the books is very funny. He's kind of snarky. He's extremely biased. Oh, yeah. They they left that completely out of the books. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get why they did, especially because when I was watching this, I didn't realize how long these Quidditch scenes are. In the first two movies, they're both like eight minutes apiece, mm-hmm. which is a lot. It was it's fun about to watch. as long as any kind of movie sports scene will go. Right. Uh, it was even super in big time sports movies. You know, you you're lucky to get a scene that's longer than five minutes. Usually, if you do, it's like the final game of any movie, like the final game of Major League or something like that. Yeah, so very lengthy, and that was, that's what was jarring to me is that in such a long scene, I don't understand why you couldn't have more Lee Jordan being snarky. Because that was one of my favorite things is the back and forth between him and McGonagall when McGonagall has to yell at him to stop being so partial and in favor of Gryffindor. And that being lost, it made the, it made the scenes less fun and more just Agreed. like, oh, sports, action, ugh, which like it was cool and I get people want to see it. But I think part of the fun of it is is the humor that goes along with it as well. What Harry Doyle was to Major League, Lee Jordan could have been to the oh, Harry Potter movies. That's very and true. I think we got robbed of that. We did. I also want to point out that Slytherin's Keeper in, in, uh, in Sorcerer's Stone is horrendous. Oh, very I mean, bad. Very bad. It, it is very easy to score. I mean, I, I've never played Quidditch. I've never ridden a broom. But it seems like he is very far behind. He or she, I can't even remember, is is very far away from any, any time it shot. it was a she. She, at one point in the first one, that's where she is completely CGI'd and looks quite, quite apparent that it's not a real human. The other thing about the Slytherin team, I think in the I think it's in the first one. See the first one and the second one. Um, at one point, the the chaser grabs the uh, or no, I think it might be the second. The chaser grabs the beater's bat and then hits the bludger with it, which I don't think you're allowed to do in Quidditch. Like I'm pretty sure that's against the rules. If you have a position, you're only allowed to do the thing your position does. Yeah, that is Captain Marcus Flint, who they emphasized being the bad guy because he had horrible teeth. I'm pretty right. sure they oh, picked yes. the actor. They oh, were just like, yeah. you, get it, get that grill in the movie. That was like and, classic <laughs> British villain teeth. And the director was like, we got to get a fisheye right on those teeth. <laughs> Have to. Have to. You mentioned this kind of in a positive sense earlier. I'm just curious. How do you feel about when they're hitting the quaffle with their broom? I feel like that's incredibly impractical. 
Oh like, yes, it seems it's very not difficult. smart at all. It would it would inherently slow down how you hit the ball. I think it's fun all the different ways they do it, but just knowing it from a sports perspective, and this is another thing that makes Quidditch a problem. Throwing it would be faster than all of these. Like when they toss it up and then punch it, or they toss it up and hit it with their broom. It's you're going to throw the ball faster, and you can put spin on it if you just throw it. And I don't understand why they do all these funky, wacky things where they're hitting it off their body parts. It will travel slower. Yeah, it's done kind of when they're a lot of times they're just kind of like dunking on people. <laughs> like it's when they have a clear shot at the goal. It's uh, they do the same thing in the first one. Uh, someone throws it behind the back in the in the hoop. Mm-hmm. I'm just, yep, yep, yep. They're just a lot of flexes in Quidditch. I I appreciate a good flex, and I think Oliver Wood makes some really good flex saves, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, obviously what's going on in the first match. It's the same with the books, and in you know, and in the movie is Harry's broom is being being cursed. And right. Harry's rolling around. The big difference between book and movie is Dumbledore sitting in the stands in the movie. They show him a few times. And, I mean, it, it's kind of an ongoing thing if you're poking holes in the series. Dumbledore plays a lot of things very, very far away from the chest. Uh-huh. And he, he's very, very flippant considering how valuable Harry's life is. And this is almost unforgivable in the first movie that he's sitting in there. And he's like, I'm just going to see how this plays out. <laughs> I was watching this, and it has been a long time since I've read the first book or watched the first movie, and I couldn't remember why. What was Snape's reasoning for cursing his broom? Was it something about Quirrell was trying to was no, actually yeah, doing Quirrell, it? Yeah, Quirrell's actually cursing the broom. Snape uh-huh. is two rows in front of him doing the counter curse. Okay, Dumbledore yeah. is in another box, just being like, "This shit is wild." <laughs> <laughs> He's completely checked out. I thought Harry was good. <laughs> well, they, they, McGonagall must have really lied to me. It must this have really inflated Harry, <laughs> Harry's abilities. Yeah, in the book, it's notable that he's not there because in right. the second match, Harry he looks out, he sees Dumbledore's there. He's like, "Ah, oh, Snape's not gonna, you know, not gonna fuck with my broom today." Hundred percent. But uh, yeah, in the movie you just see Dumbledore sitting there, kind of wondering why was it up to Hermione to go light Snape's robes on fire, like. It, that that's a very questionable thing. You think the match would be stopped under under yeah. circumstances like that? You would think a lot of things, but that's Quidditch for you. I also think it's funny that in the second one, Hermione gets to first off just run onto the field, and then she's the one that stops the bludger. I just I don't understand. And you say this like you would think the game would get canceled or, or stuff like that. I don't get why people don't step in when rules are clearly being broken. So Harry's broom is getting fucked with. Madam Hooch, the referee, should call a timeout and be like, hey. Cut it out, whoever's doing it. Also, you'd think there'd be some sort of charm placed on the arena that people in the crowd can't use magic. You know, something to that effect. And then same thing, once they realize that the bludger is cursed, everyone realizes that it's cursed. Even Hagrid, of all people. He he openly says, that's been tampered with. Blimey, Harry's got himself a rogue bludger. That's been tampered with, that ass. If Hagrid is saying that that's been tampered with, like, everyone knows. Right. So I just don't get why Hooch doesn't call a timeout and then they figure it out. It's bonkers to me. Absolutely bonkers to me. And then I know we're not even talking about this one, but you get into the Prisoner of Azkaban thing and then the Dementors are there. They just, like, I don't know what in the bylaws of Quidditch is like, hey, if shit happens, you just gotta play. I just don't get it. 
it's like kind of the Happy Gilmore thing. You got to play <laughs> play the blade as it lies. It's like hitting. He's got to hit it through the uh, the fallen TV tower. It's like now you know soul sucking beasts come on the field. You just got you got to play the game. Look, you that's just, just how it is. Gotta, yeah, Quidditch don't stop for nothing. <laughs> Quidditch, man, it's just just wild out there. It's like the Wild <laughs> West. Uh, I mean, the Harry Potter series is pretty notable for adults sitting on their hands, and that's very. Uh, that's that's nary the more evident when you you watch Quidditch. Yeah, totally. The final catch in Sorcerer's Stone. So in the books, uh, as soon as Harry's broom is uncursed, he's realized that he's nearly swallowed the snitch, mm-hmm. which uh, is flawed in general. The the movie I actually kind of like. It's a little cooler. He actually gives it chase. He does that semi impractical thing where he stands on his broom. Very uh, wild strategy that, that would not I, that make I any think sense. Was, I, I think was just mostly, mostly like, hey, this is going to look real good on a poster, which I think it was one of the main promo images. Sounds, sounds about right. But did, did you prefer the movie, how the movie did it, or the how the book did it? Um, I'd have to go back and reread how the book did it, but I feel like they both had the similar vibe of they are described in a way where it appears as if Harry fell and didn't get it. And then the reveal is that he actually caught it in his mouth. I do think you're right that the movie had a little bit more of a of a buildup to it and the book was more abrupt. So I think I would give the edge to the movie just because I think it's a better roller coaster of emotions for that to be drawn out a little bit. And then you're on the edge of your seat, very tense thinking, come on, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. And then he falls and then you're, Oh no. But then he reveals, I have it in my mouth. And then, Oh, so I think it's more fun to go through that full roller coaster. And I think the movie might've dragged it out a little bit longer, which makes the reader more anxious. I, I definitely agree. The only other thing I have for Sorcerer's Stone is Angelina, or I think it was her, but someone getting sent just into the... That is Angelina Johnson, Into the yes. pillar. Yeah, just, again, like, I understand that it's wizarding school and, and safety regulations aren't quite as enforced, clearly, but no adult's going to stop her from falling in, in the middle of this uh, this wooden pillar or whatever all the way down to the floor. It is astounding. Yeah, it's strange. And in the uh, in the books, I think they do a little bit better of a job of it than the movies where they they have fouls called more often. And in the movies, I don't think they ever do that, which makes sense. Like, it's just going to be kind of clunky and all of that. But yeah, it, one thing I did see watching this versus reading it is that they make it a lot more violent in the movies than they do the books. There's a lot of people bumping into each other and stuff like that. Malfoy just straight up punches Harry in the face in the second one when he's going for the snitch. So it's very jarring to see how aggressive it is. Oliver Wood catches some tough beats in both oh, movies. They yeah, give him multiple a real people... lack of awareness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. One thing that I did think is fun that isn't necessarily violent but just does make sense for the sport, you get a lot of people flying into the hoops which is fun, like hitting the rings by accident. And I think that's not necessarily bad or violent. I think that is just what would happen if you played Quidditch. They're very large. Yeah, I feel like there'd be a lot more serious injuries than they let on in the book. I think the most serious Quidditch injury in the book is when, uh, is in the second movie when Harry just gets right. the, his arm broken and then mm-hmm. the lens removed. Yeah, <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, but everything else in this, I mean, there's some pretty serious action. It's very, especially in the Chamber of Secrets, very intense. I mean, it really is. Malfoy gets, just gets got. I mean, yeah. that, that looks oh, incredibly yeah. painful. Oh, they did, yeah, I was actually very impressed with how realistically it appeared of which he got the wind knocked out of him. Like, it looked rough. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite 
part of any Quidditch scene in those movies is the uh, the Harry and Malfoy going into the you know the dregs of the stadium or whatever and and doing that that whole thing that the second snitch chase I thought was actually really cool. It's kind of like an action movie. Totally. I think it's fun. It makes it more interactive. And it just makes me think it, going from this and then to the third one, because in the third one, at least the way they do it in the movie, the snitch, he goes way the hell out of the stadium to catch it. It just makes me think more and more that it would be a horrible ticket to purchase for a real sporting match. Because what if you go to the game? It's the World Cup. You get amazing seats. You're right there. And then all of the action happens underneath the stadium or 100 miles away. Like, I would never buy a ticket. I would only ever watch on TV. Because what happens if all the action doesn't take place in the stadium? It'd be a waste of money. Yeah, well, that's like the uh, the Goblet of Fire movie. I mean, this isn't Quidditch per se, but he's on his broom. And then he and the dragon just peace out. And everyone's yep. just sitting there being like, hey, I wonder if that dragon ate Harry. Like, I guess, yep. I guess we'll see. Same thing with the uh, underwater challenge. That couldn't have been very fun to watch. None and and like the maze. No, Nothing. All yeah. All <laughs> every event sucks for to watch for the Triwizard Tournament. Imagine if you shelled out. You're just a random wizarding citizen, and you shell out huge bucks to come watch all three tasks of the Triwizard Tournament. You just get fucked. That'd be just awful. Compl- it's like it was like by the Triwizard Tournament was the fire fest of. <laughs> of wizarding uh wizarding sporting events 100%. my one thing with harry and draco that last snitch chase like if one of them hits a post they're dead 100 percent, right yeah they're going really really fast it's it's dangerous and also i think it's ridiculous they they do a bit better of this as the movies go on like come the sixth movie people are wearing more protective gear and stuff everyone should be wearing a helmet not just the keeper every single player should have a helmet this is wild to me so on, how did you feel about how the the uniforms look and how? Because in the books they don't they just say a color, they don't really they don't really describe them. Do you think they look cool? I think they get better as it goes. I think in the first one and the second one they look kind of dopey. They're just big robes, and it's just confusing of why you would wear that. If you're playing a sport, you would want something with less fabric on it. I think by the time it gets to the sixth movie with the Felix Felicis game, the Space Jam game, I think it looks better because they look like they're wearing action-y versions of cricket outfits uh, with, like, the padding and the helmets and the the gloves and kind of stuff like that. It looks like a a higher-intensity cricket uniform. And I think that that makes more sense because I think that Quidditch has a lot of parallels to cricket in that it's confusing and games can last forever. So I think it's I think it's more fun to sort of pay homage to one of the sports that inspired it. And I think they look better as the movies go. I agree. The only thing is Ron looks like an absolute dingus with all the uh, Yeah, the I, I think that's more of Rupert Grint and less so of the uniforms. Like that's a look fair at point. look at Ryan Anderson in a basketball jersey. He looks awful, but I don't think that's a basketball jersey problem. I think that's a Ryan Anderson problem. That's a very fair point. <laughs> so I want to get into stuff that the movies you know, should have included, because I will say the Quidditch scenes are two of my favorite parts of the, you know, I just love sports, like even a sure. really bad sport. <laughs> and Quidditch is a really good plot device in Harry Potter in general. And in the books, that's where a, a lot of like fun scenes, good action are, and you can kind of run it from movie three to at least movie six there's a lot of quidditch stuff that what did if you know when they eventually make this into a netflix series for you know two billion dollars or whatever 
what do you hope that they get in there? In terms of Quidditch, I in terms of Quidditch, hmm, I think I think giving Oliver Wood his due and yes. really making sure you get to see that whole character arc. Like it would be very fun if he, as a bit in the series, is ridiculously obsessed with Quidditch and then he gets sad anytime they lose and then finally you get the payoff of them winning I think that would be really fun to include um I also think if they get more into Madam Hooch being a real referee because in the books she does a better job calling fouls yelling at people for doing things suspending people if they are too mean to each other that kind of stuff whereas in the movies like what is she doing? Like she does nothing. They she, remove the she few blows things the whistle to does. start the game and, and she opens blows the, the box. whistle to end the game. Yeah, and that's about it. And she says Gryffindor wins. So I think those two areas have significant room for improvement. I agree. Same with the Weasley twins. We oh, get almost yeah. no Weasley yeah, yeah, twins yeah. action as as to quote Oliver Wood, like a pair of human bludgers. Yeah, we don't get a lot of that. And then also I think just Ginny is a very good Quidditch player and funny Quidditch player. Like when she does the thing where she flies into the booth when Zachariah Smith is being a complete jerk over the broadcasting booth. So I think that would be fun to get some uh, some funny Ginny moments in the mix as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in terms of actual scenes, plot points are left out, I was – Goblet of Fire is my least favorite movie. I was Ooh, devastated okay. when they – skipped away from the Quidditch World Cup. I thought, like, for sure they would do a big blowout with that thing. And it's like the games, the match is about to start, and then it's like it cuts to them after. Right. I, I felt robbed. Just yeah. absolutely devastated. It, it's strange that they did it just because the the match, they make such a big deal of the Ronsky feint that Crumb does. And that's such a iconic element of the sport to me, and especially with the weird... Crumb catching the snitch, even though they're losing, kind of thing. I think that it's it's a big complaint that I have in the fourth movie is that they really take the air out of Victor Crumb's character. I think what's fun about him as a character in the books is that he is this incredibly talented Quidditch player, and he is lauded around the world, even though he's still a student. Like he's a prodigy of the sport, but then he's still not super buff. The the way they describe it in the books, he's kind of lanky and he's a little awkward. He even feels nervous about talking to Hermione, who is not particularly popular and not necessarily described as really pretty. And I think it's fun to have this character who's incredibly gifted and incredibly popular, but doesn't act like it. And they just get rid of all of that in the movie and they just make him this big meathead sports dude uh and then you also lose out on his personality with the whole ronsky faint thing and catching the snitch even though they're losing so mm-hmm. yeah it's a disappointment i think yeah Crumb's not to mention some got like murdered. some legitimate plot development stuff happens in that in that scene 100 um, percent steals thing. the one yeah and then and then getting robbed of the character of ludo bagman i mean Ugh, that's one of the netflix things i'm really looking cast me to. cast me as ludo bagman <laughs> Ludo Bagman kind of reminds me of like a Quidditch Phil Mickelson. Like he just gambles, just gambles like absolute crazy. He's kind of a content machine on Twitter. A, kind of a weird dude. Like I, I, I mean, it. Is, I cannot believe that they left him out. And and the Weasley in the bet with the Weasley twins. It just astounds me. It's ridiculous and it's wild. I I don't know who to compare him to just because I don't know of. Uh... I don't want to say he's like a Stephen A. Smith or a broadcaster or something. He he kind of reminds me, I would view him more like a Magic Johnson, where he was a great player back in his day, and now he's just not the brightest or most adept at analysis of the sport. 
And I think that that's a kind of a fair comparison. That, that's <laughs> extremely fair because you can see Ludo Bagman having Magic Johnson's Twitter account. Which well, is that's that's what I was really follows. getting at. Yeah, it would be more of Ludo Bagman just being like, wow, Harry Potter caught the snitch. That's worth 150 points. That's a lot. Both teams played a great match. The snitch. What a wild thing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the... The only other thing that I think is really missing out of the movies and will make great Netflix stuff is the the Order of the Phoenix, the Weasley is our king stuff, and then the fight after mm-hmm. the match, which I would be would be super into seeing. Right. Yes. I they I I watched that scene anyway with with the Weasley one, and yeah, they they instead of doing Weasley is our king, which I think is another thing that brings it back to European soccer, where the, the whole stadium knows a chant and everyone sings it that's what that's paying homage to it sucks that in the movie they just kind of swap it for everyone just chanting weasley 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 mm-hmm. which and that, I well and that's uh that's the half-blood prince scene too oh it? yeah 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 I'm, it's I'm, already, I'm, and that's another weird thing is that in the half-blood prince it shows up it's ron and and mclagan trying out mm-hmm. for keeper when in reality that there was the whole the past history of ron is the keeper in the fifth book and in order the phoenix oh because he substitutes in right yeah and that that got skipped uh which is which is just a a real bummer because the whole weasley is our king thing is really fun and then after the match there's where probably draco's like shittiest moment up to that point (laughs) yeah which is saying a whole lot Mm-hmm. Um, with the the stuff about um, Harry's mom and the Weasley's mom and that fight and Harry getting uh, Harry getting banned. Oh yeah, and the Weasley twins getting banned, which then robs us of even more of the um, when they leave school. It doesn't have like Umbridge having their brooms locked. Oh yeah, so they just removed that entirely from the fifth movie. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I, I get it because I mean I get it because the fifth book is an eternity long, so you got to cut some stuff. But yeah, you do lose some some fun elements. You lose, I think you lose a little bit of Harry's hatred towards Umbridge, and in favor, of the movie just tries to replace that with "Look how shitty Umbridge is." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like she takes away hatred. she takes away Harry's favorite thing in the world. Hundred percent, the only place where he really has excelled and feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a big plot thing. It's something that'll make you know when the netflix series can take unlimited time although don't quote me on this but i'm pretty sure they made order of the phoenix the uh the shortest movie which is they really did. bothersome they did, which is wild. longest book shortest movie mm-hmm. yeah extremely wild but uh the netflix series you know should be should be very enjoyable i think so. i would think i would think but uh you know what we got i'll take because i you know when i when i read these books i as soon as i read them i was begging for movies so I enjoyed it while I saw it. It's still, you know, it's fun. I'm glad they're on YouTube. It's a fun thing to talk about. Mike, mm-hmm. thanks so much for joining me today. Can you tell the listeners where they can follow you on social media and where they can find Potterless? Sure. So if you want to find Potterless the show, you can just search Potterless onto any podcasting app or Spotify, anywhere you where you listen to it, it'll show up. Also, our website is PotterlessPodcast.com. And then same thing, social media, if you search Potterless, it's all there. And then if you want to find me, it's Shub17 everywhere, S-C-H-U-B-E-S-1-7. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was super fun. Uh, of course. I, I hate Quidditch with a passion, but it was still fun to talk about the pros and cons of it. And we'll just have to hold out for that Netflix or HBO series where they can finally do justice to, you know, our boy Ludo and our boy Oliver and our homie Madam Hooch. 
Yeah, we'll uh, yeah, we'll we will definitely touch touch base on that uh, down the road. Really looking forward to yeah. Let's do this again about when, they, when they launch this TV series. Let's let's run this back and talk about how good it is. Absolutely. Well, I will uh, I'll link all of Mike's information in the show notes. So check those out. As always, if you're enjoying big screen sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, rate, leave a review. You know, you know the drill. And catch us next Thursday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.